Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, PodMN, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. You get the idea. <laughs> it's all over the place and all kinds of really nice applications, nice options. PodMN, highly recommended, but of course, Apple and Google are... All over the place, your Android phones, you, know, you can do all that kind of stuff. Podman, of course, or, you know, uh, Google Podcasts, very, very valuable stuff. Apple's Apple, we all know what Apple is, I suppose, if you have it. So, yes, uh, we're going to review the Minnesota Vikings draft, all 19 picks they had. No, it was about 15, but it felt like 19 or 25 or something. You just keep trading down, and you get excited about certain guys being there, and then you trade down, and you just get frustrated. Uh, generally speaking, I'd say it's a good draft. Obviously, time will tell. With most of them, time will tell. But I would say it's a good draft. Uh, the very first pick was pretty exciting. Uh, did we address the offensive line? Yes, kind of. In one position, maybe, hopefully. It's like a yes, kind of. Uh, did we address the cornerback position? Yes, cornerback. Quarterback? Like a backup or something? Probably not. Uh, uh, we did take a quarterback, but not until the seventh round. We had a golden opportunity to take Jacob Fromm in the fifth, in the fourth, in the fifth round, whatever, and the Vikings just traded away, and it didn't happen. So Buffalo Bills wound up with him when they already have the other Al- when they already have the other Allen there as a quarterback. So that's kind of frustrating for some of us that wouldn't have minded uh, some type of a, a future quarterback in the mix to maybe even just put the pressure on a little bit, on Cousins a little bit. Yeah, you know, we just can't do that here. It's just too scary. You know, putting pressure on Kirk Cousins is like, you know, that's just like, eh, you know, that's sacrilegious, you know, because we all know what Kirk Cousins does. But, uh, well, other teams in the NFL didn't seem to care who their quarterback was, especially the Philadelphia Eagles. It's one thing when Aaron Rodgers has been on a steady decline and he's getting older, and just like Favre was getting older, he wasn't on a steady decline necessarily. Just the team was on a decline for a while until they got some good pieces around Favre again. And uh, they took Aaron Rodgers. Now the Packers are kind of doing the same thing again. I don't think Jordan Love is Aaron Rodgers, though. I don't think Aaron, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think he's Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre. But uh, we'll see. We'll just have to wait and see what the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts. I don't know. I don't know. We'll talk about that as we kind of try to move forward here a bit. But generally speaking, we'll look at the Minnesota Vikings draft. It's also good to look at the first round as well. Uh, you know, I mean, it's. It was an interesting first round. Uh, it was finally something. It it was finally something. It really was. I mean, we finally got to see something. You got to see the commissioner. Well, I wouldn't say he was down to earth, but I guess he was more down to earth than normal. That's about it. Uh, I'm not a big basher of Roger Goodell. I'm maybe not a big backer either. I don't really have a huge problem with him. I know a lot of people are all this and that. You know, you get to hear about all this social justice, this and this and that. I don't like to get into a lot of that stuff, especially on podcasts. But, I mean, just generally speaking, I don't like to get into a lot of that. It's, I don't know, you know, is it really my place to get into it? Nah, you know what I mean? If that's what they expected me to do on a radio show, I don't think I'd really enjoy it very much. That's just my opinion. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings did take two players in the first round. And, well... We did something we've done many times when we have a second pick. We trade down a little bit further, but still stayed in the first round. And I think I think the Vikings got a, some good value there. I think the Vikings got good value in the first round. You addressed uh, 
two major positions of need, but also you got pretty good players. So we'll kind of scan scan over the first round a little bit. Joe Burrow, of course, taking number one overall, and we'll have a certain uh, player related to Joe Burrow uh, donning purple on Sundays if Sundays ever come back again. Uh, Sundays not only on the football field, but Sundays in church too. Are they ever going to come back? Uh, gotta love YouTube. Gotta love it, especially when even when church was normally around. Still, you still had uh, you're still able to stream it with Living Word Christian Center. That was nice, and still able to do that now. But of course, yes, you know you got Joe Burrow, you got Chase Young going to Washington, you got Jeff Okuda going to Detroit. Detroit. Andrew Thomas was an interesting, very high pick. But hey, you know I mean there was no offensive line protection the last X amount of years in New York. Andrew Thomas, an elite uh, offensive tackle, would have loved him in purple. But uh, yeah, no. Not, not going to get the fourth overall pick. Uh, Tua winds up going to Miami, so he did go. Some people thought, oh, what if he slips to like 18 or something? We're, Mikey's got to trade up and get him, right? Yeah, no, that just didn't happen. Justin Herbert goes to the uh, Dustin, excuse me, Justin Herbert, Sherbert Herbert gets to go to uh, the, uh, I keep wanting to call him San Diego, but the Los Angeles Chargers, obviously we're used to that. Phillip Rivers off to the Colts, as we all know. Derek Brown's going to the, uh, Carolina Hurricane Panthers there from uh, defensive tackle from Auburn. So Wardam Eagle had their top pick there in the uh, seventh overall. Isaiah Thomas, offensive linebacker too. Uh, offensive outside linebacker. That's kind of silly. Offensive linebacker. That would be interesting. Yeah, I have no idea what I'm talking about, do I? <laughs> outside linebacker from Clemson going to Isaiah Thomas. C.J. Henderson off to Florida. C.J. Henderson awfully high. But uh, obviously an elite cornerback on his way out. Jeff Okoto, I mean, on his way to uh, Mr. Uh, staying in Florida, but to Jacksonville in that case. And Okoto was the top cornerback taken to Detroit. I'm sure they could use that help. Detroit did address defense quite a bit, quite a bit. We'll try to look at their draft a bit, along with uh, Chicago and Green Bay. Green Bay looked on as the worst draft in the NFL this year. And that's not me saying that as like, I hate the Packers. I hate the Packers, but, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Offensive tackle Jedrick Willis Jr. going to help out the uh, Cleveland Browns. Congratulations, Vinrock Vince Mano. Yep, looking for some more offensive line protection. And at least football so far, nothing's really changed. You got your draft. You had your Super Bowl. So football might come out super lucky here, especially if uh, things can, you know, get cleaned up here and we can move on forward. Let's just say I'm getting quarantined right now. <laughs> right now, yeah, it's really interesting stuff. Yeah, I wasn't for a while, and now I am, and stuff, it's interesting. Uh, Becton, Mekai Becton, Mekai Becton uh, from Louisville off to the New York Jets. They also made an acquisition recently as well uh, in, in, in acquiring Frank Gore. We'll talk about him in the second segment. So there will be two segments this time around. We're talking about the draft and the schedule a bit. I'm, uh, but we'll leave the schedule in the, in the uh, second segment the schedule was released today as I'm releasing this at this moment. But of course, uh, you know, as I'm doing this first segment anyway, the schedule was released. And, um, well, yeah, we'll talk about that in segment number two. I'm not, I don't know, I think the, the road games are a little tough. Really tough road rec uh, road schedule for the Minnesota Vikings moving forward. Just talking about that. And of course, what did the Oakland Raiders take now that they're the Las Vegas Raiders? Did anything change about the Oakland Las, Las Vegas Los Angeles Raiders, whatever you want to call them. Did anything change about the Las Vegas Raiders? Did anything change about the Raiders? Just uh, the autumn wind is a receiver, and he's fast. 
that that's that's the Oakland Raiders. I keep calling them Oakland because I'm so used to it now. Uh, I was used to L.A. for a little while, but really they were the Oakland Raiders. I mean, they were L.A. temporarily in a lot of ways. It was about how many years? About 13 years in Los Angeles, like 83. They won the Super Bowl right away as the L.A. Raiders, which is pretty funny. And then uh, eventually went back to Oakland in uh, 96. God, that's a long time ago, man. Went back to Oakland in 96. They left in 82 to Los Angeles. Won the Super Bowl with Marcus Allen. Man, weird. What a, what a weird world we live in. Go back to Oakland for quite a while. Now they're in Las Vegas. I don't know. They're the Sacramento Kings of football. Sacramento Kings moved so many times. Uh, what were they? The Rochester Royals. <clears throat> and I don't even remember. Like Kansas City Royals. They were the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, there were two Kansas. There was a Kansas City basketball team called the Royals. Yep. And then they became the Sacramento Kings. <clears throat> they almost moved to Seattle as well. Almost. Uh, Tristan Wirfs off to... Uh, <laughs> off to... I can't imagine why they would take an offensive tackle in Tampa Bay. I can't imagine why they do that. But, uh, well, there's no quarterback of the future there, but there certainly is a quarterback of the present in uh, Tampa Bay. But uh, it's a very short present. Tom Brady, of course. going to be super interesting. And we will be playing against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. And we're not going to win that game. <laughs> we're not going to win that game. But then again, maybe we will. Uh, Javon Kinlaw. 14th overall, going to uh, going to uh, San Francisco. There you go, defensive tackle. Jerry Judy, not Judge Judy, but Jerry Judy. Wide receiver to Denver. A lot of people like that pick. A.J. Terrell, very high. Going to Atlanta, but they're desperate for any type of defense. Very high pick. A lot of people were talking about, uh, like Paul Charchian locally. I was talking about, I pray to God the Vikings don't take A.J. Terrell because it just was time and time again. The guy was just getting beat in Clemson. Well, Atlanta took him, so all right. Uh, I I hate to say this, do I have to say this, but I think the Dallas Cowboys had a really good draft, at least the top of it. Miami Dolphins, Austin Jackson. So no Austin Jackson to Minnesota. He's Austin to Miami. He's off to Miami. Okay, that was dumb. Uh, Damon Arnett, cornerback, 19th overall to the Las Vegas Raiders. Clavon Chason, very, very popular linebacker out of LSD. A lot of people believe this guy is going to be really a stud in the NFL. He's going to Jacksonville. And then you're down to 21 and 22. The Philadelphia Eagles, the hated Eagles, and the Minnesota Vikings. The hated Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings. Justin Jefferson's still there. And just about everybody in town is hoping for Justin Jefferson to be a Minnesota Viking at 22. But Justin Jefferson's on the phone. The Eagles are, you know, making their pick. The pick is in, and Justin Jefferson's on the phone and smiling and happy. He's gone. He's 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 gone. Justin Jefferson's going to the Philadelphia Eagles. It's over. So then I don't know. Austin Jackson's already gone. So we're gonna probably take a cornerback at twenty-two. I'm guessing that would be my guess at the time. Maybe it's gonna be a certain guy we took a little bit later. Maybe it's gonna be God knows what. Uh, Terrell was already gone. Maybe it'll be that Noah guy. That Noah <laughs> Noah out of Auburn, the guy with the complicated name there. Igbino Genny. Yep. Maybe it'll be him. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? And then the Philadelphia Eagles take another guy that I did talk about in the last show, kind of a slot receiver, speedster type of guy, and Jalen Rigger. So Jalen Rigger out of TCU is on his way to the Philadelphia Eagles. And boy, oh boy, I kept talking about TCU, 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 TCU. Uh, they had some. They had an awesome group of players into this draft. Uh, that's why they kept getting brought up on the last show, uh, this and that, when I was doing my previewing. And a lot of times I'll preview a number of players there's always a group of players. Like, we're going to get one, maybe two of these guys, right, when I do a preview. There's always at least a group of players. 
But this time, gosh, we got three of them. That's pretty cool. So, well, I mean, like 99% of the 99% of the population was like, well, now it's Jefferson for sure, because Rieger is going to the Philadelphia Eagles. And Justin Jefferson was the pick. And uh, the celebration began. And Sebastian Barden locally basically said, I almost want to put it on the show, but I probably shouldn't. And plus, well, we've had several conversations since then, so it's way up there. It was on the Facebook Messenger. We kept going back and forth, back and forth. The voice, uh, you know, you can do a little voice conversation on, fa- on Facebook Messenger without it being a call. It's almost like walkie-talkie in a way, where you just leave the voice. And he said, fan bleepantastic, but he said the word. Fan bleepantastic, when the Vikings did take Justin Jefferson. Uh, he was a guy, I was thinking the Vikings weren't even going to, he wasn't even going to be available to Minnesota. I kind of figured he was going to go 18th. I thought he was going to go 16th, something. Something, 20th, but he wasn't going to make it to Minnesota. He's going to be long gone. And then I'm like, you know what? I I have to talk about him on the show because maybe, just maybe he'll be there. And it's like I sat and watched him doing my little research, however you want to call it. You want to, you want to give me credit for being good research or not. But I saw a guy who is a legitimate, dare I say, franchise-capable wide receiver in the NFL, in Justin Jefferson out of LSU. Uh, won the national championship, of course, played with the best quarterback, and Joe Burrow, best quarterback in college football. But it's like, yes, you got to have somebody that can throw the ball in order to be a good wide receiver, right? you got to have somebody that can actually complete the passes. So, well, everything is kind of, well, I mean, come on. You know, his numbers have to be a bit bloated. He had Joe Burrow as his quarterback. But you got to sit and put that in pers- into perspective. Joe Burrow's numbers came for a reason too, right? He has to have somebody catch the ball in order to have his good numbers, right? So that's why we call it total team effort. That's why the San Francisco 49ers were world champions when you had Jerry Rice and Joe Montana together. That's why. Uh, you had the ever-valuable Jonathan Taylor. You had Mr. The Catch, you know, uh, Dwight Clark. You had people that could catch the effing ball, right? You had people that could catch the ball. And, well, I mean, Justin Jefferson could catch the ball. Uh, he played... A lot of the time in uh, LSU in the slot, but not all the time. Uh, I I do see him as a legitimate replacement for Stefan Diggs, especially if he wants it, that type of thing. Definitely can create separation, great catch radius, and he's also a target for end zone fades. And, I mean, it was kind of a little bit of everything. He did kind of everything you want in a wide receiver for the LSU Tigers. Um, That's why they're national champions. They had the best quarterback. They had... I don't know if he's the best receiver or not, but they basically most people would tell you in a normal draft, one that didn't have like six super good receivers in it, <clears throat> Justin Jefferson would have gone top 10 easily. So, I mean, Vikings got themselves a pretty good receiver here. Um, I'm scared to death to take a wide receiver in the first round, but sometimes it's okay. Uh, Randy Moss slipped because people were scared of him. Justin Jefferson slipped because there were there's just so many wide receivers out there that people value, uh, maybe overvalued in the Las Vegas Raiders case. Uh, Justin Jefferson, I mean, he would have fit right in with the Oakland Raiders, I'm sure, but uh, we'll, we'll take him. Uh, luckily, Kirk Cousins has a pretty good arm. It is what it is. I don't know what's going to happen with Derek Carr anyway in Oakland. I have no idea. I don't know what's going to happen with Derek Carr in Oakland or uh, old Chucky there either in uh, Mr. Gruden. I'm not sure, but it's a big mess. Stefan Diggs, though, again, I mean, Justin Jefferson, kind of similar, obviously. This guy, six foot one, 202 out of LSU, 202 out of 
LSU. Yeah, that rolls right off your tongue. And he can play, and his number is two also. Uh, wide receivers have gone with these weird, like, small numbers. It's, like, not the classic 80, 81, 82, 83, 84 anymore, 85, like it used to be, 86. Yeah, I know. Uh, like the good old days, it's kind of all over the place. You have guys wearing 19, guys wearing 17, guys wearing 2, guys wearing 0. It's interesting. But uh, what, regardless of what his number is going to be, I mean, the guy can play uh, 18 touchdowns, 1,500 yards, won the national championship. He did a whole lot of everything, and I think he's a fantastic pick. Uh, scared as I am about taking a wide receiver in the first round, this one didn't bother me. Uh, Laquan Craigroll, it was like, okay, sure, uh, I guess. Why we needed to go that high with somebody like that, I don't know, but I, I would be just, I mean, I would be just absolutely beside myself if Justin Jefferson was yet another bust wide receiver in the first round. This is the Vikings have had at least a few here. It's been really ugly. In fact, uh, you know, I mean, Troy Williamson, when you consider how high he was taken, how high he was taken, and how little he did. It's funny how a lot of us were like, you passed on Mike Williams, though. He probably would have been better. And then he did even less than Troy Williamson. It was weird with Detroit. It was weird. Um, that was one of the great busty drafts of all time, though, of course, there's always good players in every draft as well. I mean, Erasmus James was your, was your Asmus James. That's, he was your ass out there. That's how bad he was as a defensive end. Just couldn't play. Just couldn't play, period. Uh, so there you go. Justin Jefferson comes to Minnesota. The hope is high. I'm already about 18 minutes in. Wow. But <laughs> it is what it is, though. That's the fun of it. I mean, that's the fun part of it. We're talking about the draft. Uh, obviously, podcast numbers, live radio numbers everywhere are awful. And Score North really bit the bullet this past week. And, uh, you know, just letting you know, I'm thinking about you guys. If one in a quadrillion chance you're listening, any of the guys that were let go there, including Matthew Collar and such, uh, Rami, all of them, unbelievable. Uh, super sad story there. Uh, there's only a couple guys left, like three guys left on score north so i'm just saying yeah obviously the numbers have sucked on this show on brave the wild timberwolves explosion it's like it just stopped because of what's going on and i know it's sad but hopefully this can provide you with some kind of uh, escape from old covid19 corona this corona that every 10 seconds let's just play let's just play damn it <laughs> i don't know kenneth murray out of oklahoma is going to the uh keep going to call him sign san diego with los angeles chargers inside linebacker Cesar Ruiz, Ruiz, the uh, center, is going to, to uh, the New Orleans Saints to protect for the ancient Drew Brees and, of course, their uh, other fun, quirky quarterback they have there. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, good, good, good uh, interesting wide receiver, heading to San Francisco to help out with uh, Garoppolo and co. They did not get Tom Brady, and uh, they did not make any crazy move for uh, quarterback of the future yet. We'll see. Green Bay Packers come up. They come up, they trade up a little bit, considering where they were in the draft. They moved up a few spaces to take a quarterback, to take Jordan Love. And it was like, this was one of the major surprises of the whole draft. Jordan Love's going to Green Bay. And this just kind of leaves you like, hmm. Um, well, I mean, you know, and then they do the math, and they look back in the past, and it was about, Brett Favre was about the same age uh, Aaron Rodgers is now when Aaron Rodgers was drafted by the Green Bay Packers. But Aaron Rodgers was supposed to go number one to San Francisco or number two to, uh, I can't even remember who went number two that year. But uh, all everybody passed on Aaron Rodgers, including the Vikings, because we had the best quarterback ever in Dante Culpepper. Yes, he could have been MVP in 2004, 
but I don't know. Um, the guy didn't win a whole lot. He put up good numbers, but he didn't win a whole lot down there, Culpepper. It didn't help, though, that the uh, the defense was, like, hideous, absolutely hideous. No matter who he plugged in a cornerback back then, it didn't matter. They all sucked uh, until we finally got guys like Brian Williams and Antoine Winfield. Then we were good. But that was like the end of Mike Tice's reign there as coach. But 2005, Aaron Rodgers, man, Aaron Rodgers. But, I mean, several other teams passed on him as well. What was it, 23 other teams? He wound up going 24 to Green Bay. So, gosh, I mean, almost just almost in the same spot there in the draft. Late first round. Jordan Love, though, on the other hand, there was an easy shot. This guy could have gone into the second round. Easily, second round. maybe to, And maybe somebody like Oakland takes him because they need competition at the quarterback position. Jordan Love doesn't... Jordan Love, to me, isn't a franchise quarterback. Uh, he's got skills. He's athletic. He's blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> he's got a good arm. But I don't think he has... I, I just don't think he has the... Uh, I don't think he's just gonna going to have the same magic as, like, Aaron Rodgers as a, you know... I don't think he's going to be like uh, Lamar Jackson. I don't think he's going to be like any of those guys, like Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, any of the elite quarterbacks. So I don't think I don't think it's going to be like 30 years of great quarterbacking in Green Bay, or should we say 40 years, excuse me, of great quarterbacking in Green Bay. That's what it would be now, considering like 15-15 Favre and uh, Rodgers, and then 15 more, like 35-40 years of, uh, nah, it would be about 45 years of great quarterbacking in Green Bay. I don't think we're going to have to worry about that, but we'll know. Uh, we'll see. He'll probably be decent, but one way or another, he's going to start a quarterback at some point. I just, I just uh, have a, I just have a doubt that that's going to be, uh, it's going to be another miracle thing. Still, should be a halfway decent quarterback, I'm sure, but I don't know. I'm not overly confident that he's going to be this superstar. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. He's got skills. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Jordan Brooks. Now it's a different Jordan. Go uh, Texas Tech uh, uh, outside linebacker to the uh, Seattle Sea Chickens. Patrick Queen, inside linebacker to the uh, Ravens. Isaiah Wilson, Georgia, offensive tackle to Tennessee. He was a possibility coming to Minnesota along with Noah Igbenogany, who I do believe could be a pretty good player in the NFL. And I do believe that the uh, Miami Dolphins had a decent draft. I think they did. Obviously, Tua. Tua and Noah, those could be some interesting players for the future of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I think the Dolphins are going to be better. And, of course, we're going to have an ode to uh, Don Shula, who died at 90 this week. Uh, 90 years old, Don Shula, the greatest uh, Dolphin coach ever. That's for darn sure. And one of the greatest coaches of all time and had the only true undefeated season because they won the Super Bowl. You know, the Patriots almost had it, but they didn't win because of the the miracle helmet by Tyree, a guy nobody's ever heard of. They just heard of him for that one play. But sometimes that's how it goes. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Don Shula, obviously the miracle uh, undefeated coach, and he kept coaching for a long time, well into Dan Marino's career. Heck, by the time Don Shula stepped down from the Miami Dolphins, mm -hmm. Dan Marino was already way past his prime. So that's when Jimmy Johnson took over, and it just was too late. It was too late, and Jimmy Johnson was frustrated, and Marino was frustrated, and that's all we—that's all she wrote. Vikings had traded away, of course, from their 25th pick, which was kind of disappointing for some people, and that's what San Francisco took, Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk. So, yes, that's where the trade took place. Vikings were supposed to take the 25th pick. A lot of us are hoping for this guy, for that guy, and it ended up being Jeff Gladney. Um, 
guy I talked about extensively on the, uh, the the previous show, and he definitely has some <laughs> he definitely has some ability. He will for sure be a starting cornerback soon. Um, will the Vikings pick up anybody like an Eli Apple? I don't know if the Vikings are going to spend the money on an Eli Apple, though, to come help out, but he's still a free agent out there. Maybe you can get him at a reasonable price. But uh, Vikings may be looking to pick up a veteran first before putting in Gladney or another cornerback because we took three in this draft, two fairly high, including this guy. I'm Jeff Gladney. So we did get somebody out of TCU. Obviously, lots of skill. Again, talked about him in the last show. He's definitely a ball hawk. He's definitely a ball hawk. He makes plays on the ball as well, not just catching the ball, getting interceptions, which sometimes is a little bit of luck. Sometimes it's a little bit of gambling, this and that. But then there's the other side of it where you make a damn play on the ball. You knock it away, which drove us crazy about uh, Trey Waynes. He just never knocked the ball away, it seemed like. Uh, this past year, he only got one interception, which is kind of funny. But in the past, over the course of his collegiate career, he was absolutely outstanding. Uh, multiple interceptions throughout his time there in uh, in TCU. 5'10", 191. Obviously, again, knocks the ball away. Very serious player. Uh, has all kinds of has all kinds of uh, capabilities, all kinds of skills at the cornerback position that I do believe he could be something pretty special in the NFL for many years at the cornerback position. He can play slot corner. He can play outside. Uh, the other cornerback we took, we'll talk about him later, could definitely play outside because he's a bigger guy, more likely to replace Xavier Roseburg. Gladney, well, I mean, he's at very, very minimum going to replace uh, McKenzie Alexander at the very minimum, but might end up being much better than that, obviously, and I do think he'll have a bigger role than McKenzie Alexander, even though Alexander was very good. You still got Mike Hughes. You got uh, Holden Hill, but we don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, strong positioning, knocking the ball away rather than racking up penalties. Not overly physical. Needs to get stronger, according to experts. He did have knee issues with the uh, meniscus and all that uh, early in his collegiate career. Uh, it's depending on if the Vikings bring in a uh, veteran to help bridge the gap. It would be best that he didn't start right away, but he's definitely an answer long-term health permitting when you talk about Jeff Gladney at the end of the day. So that's pretty much your first round Clyde Edwards-Hilaire running back going to Kansas City. That was one of their weak spots. But the World Champion Chiefs looking to defend their championship with uh, taking a running back in the first round. Here, see what happens. Position of need, I suppose. But then now we're going to, generally speaking, dance around here a little bit. It's just interesting, though. I'll just get to this before the minute we uh, look at the rest of the Vikings draft. It's just uh, the Jalen Hurts pick going to the Eagles. That was an extremely interesting one there as well. When you have Carson Wentz, the son of a gun can't stay healthy. That's the problem. But still, it's just an interesting, strange message to send that you're taking Jalen Hurts, who's, I think, probably better than Jordan Love. I think Hurts has a better has better career potential than Jordan Love. I bet a lot of people would think that. Not everybody. Some of you might be, like, rolling your eyes at me right now thinking, okay, does this guy have any, does this guy have any football knowledge at all? It's, well, sometimes it's a matter of an opinion. I mean, sometimes, heck, I mean, let's just say me and somebody who we talk about on the show very much uh, had a very minor argument, not major, minor argument about Michael Thomas. And they thought Michael Thomas was crap and wasn't going to do anything. I thought I could, you know, you could see something. So I was right about something once in a while, and Michael Thomas ended up being a hell of a player, unfortunately, for the very, very wrong team. And then it really insane. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. We don't really know how some of these guys are going to adjust. I thought, I thought, uh, 
Laquan Treadwell ha- had a chance, but I mean, you kind of watched closely and you did see that, there, that he was pretty slow. That was the fear, and the slowness ended up killing his career so far. But we'll see how he does with Atlanta. I don't know. A lot of us frustrated, though, with no offensive tackle taken, but you did get your wide receiver, you did get a cornerback. So that's obviously really good. But now, what the heck, let's keep moving. You know, you got to keep moving here and uh, hope for some type of uh, <laughs> some type of offensive tackle here. Okay, Vikings are going to trade up to get Cleveland, right? The Vikings are going to trade up to get Cleveland or somebody else, one of these other guys. We're going to trade up, right? We're going to do something. And it just never happened. And the trade up just never happened. But then Ezra Cleveland was never taken. He was just never taken. Not one offensive tackle was taken. Robert Hunt was taken as an offensive guard to the Miami Dolphins. So, yeah, they're really showing up that offensive line. They're shoring up the offensive line. But not one OT was taken in the entire second round. Ezra Cleveland, be it pure luck or be it the Vikings just knew, that's why we didn't trade up for him. Everybody thought the only way you're going to get Ezra Cleveland is to trade up for him or take him 25th overall in the draft or 31st or something. That's what I thought. There there was a possibility he could go 31st. Um, and that just never happened. Never happened at all. And then, boom, there he is. 58th, you figure, yeah, it's going to be Ezra, Ezra Cleveland, right? And yes, it was. And the Vikings did take an offensive tackle that a lot of us did believe it's a good fit for the uh, the zone scheme and everything. Sebastian Barden didn't seem to like it too much. He's like, eh, not really. Uh, he's very mobile. He's got quick feet. Should fit well in the zone blocking scheme. I, you can compare him to Brian O'Neill because he's a little underdeveloped, very athletic, underdeveloped. But we'll see. Uh, he was he was left tackle at Boise State, where Brian O'Neill was right tackle at Pittsburgh. So. Moving Brian O'Neill to left tackle at this stage is probably a done deal now. You don't have to. Uh, it's done and dusted. It's not necessary. He could stay exactly right where he is and where he's been spectacular thus far. What an awesome pick. Was it pure luck or was it skill or whatever? Or was it just being cute and getting lucky, which I think is probably closer? Getting a little cute here, which maybe the Vikings did as well with uh, Ezra Cleveland. But, uh, well, six foot six, three eleven. He's got the height. He's got the athleticism. A bit lanky, of course, which is fine. Uh, it's going to bulk up a bit, I'm sure. But talk is he'll start off as offensive, or excuse me, as yeah, offensive guard. You know, on the on the left side, depending on what's going on with Pat Elfline versus Riley Reef. Riley Reef is still on the roster. Riley Reef is still getting paid. Riley Reef is still considered a starting left tackle in the NFL, regardless of how you feel. Um, and you still have uh, Rashawn Hill, which I think is great. I'm really happy to have him still around. Uh, Rashawn Hill, absolutely love that guy. Uh, he can fill in a tackle at any time, depending on what happens. Unfortunately, only one year so far, but uh, definitely a good pass blocker. Ezra Cleveland can be a bit of both. He can he can pass block, he can run block, he's got the athleticism. Um, that's what we liked about guys like uh, Easton, Nick Easton. He had the mobility to be a really good run blocker on the left guard position, and then he just got hurt, and then he never came back again. Uh, the Saints paid him a lot of money, and he left, and that was all she wrote. Ezra Cleveland, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. He's uh, got a heck of a possibility here with him, and at very least, again, he's going to be the right, uh, the left guard for now, but he will be the left tackle of the future. Like, pretty much 100% chance he's the left tackle of the future, so there's your bookends. Ezra Cleveland, Brian O'Neill, left tackle, right tackle for Minnesota. Guard position is still very much in flux because uh, Pat Elfline just hasn't been good ever since he got hurt years ago in 2017. He hasn't been good ever since. Uh, Nick Easton never returned from uh, obviously after his major injury. And 
right guard position. I guess it's Drew Samia. I mean, and people seem to like him very much. So I guess he's the right guard. And of course, uh, Mr. Bradbury. Garrett Bradbury is your starting center, and hopefully he doesn't get forklifted like he did last year. He looked awfully small. So now we continue to move forward here. Vikings, thankfully, addressed the offensive line, at least in the second round there, with a guy who probably should have went in the first round or earlier, significantly earlier in the second. Uh, how do you feel about that? I don't know. But uh, just continue to move down, move down. You're in the third round, hanging around. And you wind up with Cameron Dantzler, 89th overall, 25th in the third round out of Mississippi State. A very interesting move here. A lot of people like it very much. Um, Vikings really did address the cornerback position in this draft. Absolutely. He took a third one also. We'll talk about him in a minute here. But Cameron Dantzler, Mississippi State, he's got some skills, man. Uh, he's six foot two, 188, so kind of on the lanky side. But he's tough. He's tough. Uh, he was slow in the combine, which is what dropped his draft stock. Uh, that's pretty much what happened. Cameron Danster could have gone significantly higher, um, probably higher than where Ezra Cleveland wound up with Minnesota. Probably higher, like early second round, and you can get some damn good cornerbacks in the first and second round. After that, it's very, very hazy. You, you, you just don't know. Um, I'm not sure why he came up slow at the combine, because he's not slow. It just happened. Sometimes it's just poor luck. Uh, it did drop his, dra- drop his draft stock. And, of course, this draft is unique. You couldn't really be by anybody. You got your social distance this. You got to be on Zoom that. And I don't know. You can't do as much. But uh, if you judge off of his uh, collegiate career, he's pretty good. Um, he was pretty damn good. Uh, he's another good ball hawk. Very solid. More than capable of making an open field tackle, which is very important. You know, a little bit of Antoine Winfield's strength there. But, uh, you know, I mean... Xavier Rose was pretty tough. He could make some big plays when he actually was, you know, in his prime. He just kept getting hurt, and his career just went down the toilet after that. Uh, he's able to make, he's able to stop the run in those tight situations, those third down situations, crucial situations where he comes, is able to get into the backfield or just again make simply make the stop, maybe stop the guy at two yards when they need three, stuff like that. Uh, Zimmer's going to have fun with him, putting him in blitz pack blitz packages. And keeping the quarterbacks honest. Uh, he's, he's gone after the quarterback quite a bit, Cameron Dantzler. I uh, should develop well into the system. Very interesting pick. It's a very interesting pick. Um, McKenzie Alexander used to go on those blitz packages on occasion. That was fun to watch. Um, Cameron Dantzler may play that role a bit. Obviously, it's going to play a different position. He's not going to be the slot corner. If anything, the slot corner is probably going to be... Uh, <laughs> probably going to be Gladney, I think. He's, he's a, you know, obviously at only 5'10", but we'll see. I mean, Mike Hughes could play the slot. Uh, Gladney has played both slot and outside, so we'll see what happens with Gladney versus Dancer, but I think you got two starting cornerbacks long-term here in this draft. They probably won't start right away. Gladney might start right away. We'll see. It's risky business. Cornerbacks take a little bit of time and the Vikings still have not signed any type of a veteran cornerback to at least be a Band-Aid type of guy. Oh, I'm sure some of these guys don't like to be Band-Aids. Things get a little bit hazier as you get further into this draft, but again, at the same time, there's some, you know, there could be some potentially really nice picks here. Uh, DJ Woodham, well, he's definitely a natural pass blocker. Fourth round, 177 overall, or 177, 117 overall. Another trade situation. Like <laughs> his trade every time. It's always a trade of some sort. It's nothing but trades. So it doesn't even matter at this point. You're hoping the Vikings take Jacob Fromm, and they don't. In the fourth round, they had four opportunities to take him. 
and you just kept trading down, trading down, trading down, trading down. So I got a little frustrated with that, but uh, definitely got some value here in the fourth round. You got four picks, three picks, pardon me, in the third round, fourth round, pardon me. Uh, DJ Wonham out of South Carolina. Uh, the competition level not super great necessarily, and that may be why his uh, grade, like uh, the pick grade, is considered a C minus according to CBS Sports. Justin Jefferson was an A. Ezra Cleveland was an A minus. And a certain linebacker taken at the bottom of this fourth round from Minnesota, considered an A. Not an A minus, an A. So very exciting. But uh, DJ Wonham and James Lynch, both defensive linemen. Wonham is a is an edge who's got that natural pass rushing ability, which is nice. Uh, he's considered a little bit of a reach, I'm sure, where he's taken. But as always, who knows? He often got his hands on the ball, forcing fumbles. He even blocked a punt in college, so that's always good. He's got some quickness. He can get to the ball and uh, make a play at times uh, as, a, as an edge rusher. James Lynch, defensive tackle out of Baylor, six foot four, two eighty nine. He can get into the backfield on a regular basis, which appears to be a major part of his game. As uh, he's much more of a three technique style than a run stopping defensive tackle. You already got your nose tackle in uh, Michael Pierce, so consider James Lynch. I mean, he, he'll be an interesting defensive lineman. He could do well in a, in a rotation, stuff like that, along with, uh, again, yep, he could be in the defensive rotation a bit. James Lynch, defensive tackle. I, I think he's going to see action, and he'll learn under Andre Patterson. I think he's going to stick, actually. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, a lot of guys, maybe it'll take some time, you know, maybe play some special teams, this and that. But, uh, you know, and get into some games, obviously. Uh, but I think James Lynch could have some stay, uh, staying power here. We'll see. Troy Dye, though. Fourth round, 132 overall. Considered an A grade at this spot in the draft. Widely considered a steal. Uh, very, very, very athletic. He's, he's, he's fast enough, and he's able to drop into coverage. Uh, he's made some plays, knocking the ball away, interceptions, isn't that. Dropping into coverage on wide receivers, which is pretty damn insane. Six foot three, 231, athletic, lanky. Uh, very fast, crazy fast. Uh, he'll likely start out on special teams. He might even be a special teams ace for all we know, but he has a real chance of sticking around for many years and could be, you know, could be the replacement for the overpriced Anthony Barr's, uh, for Anthony Barr long-term, I think. Uh, obviously a cheaper option at the linebacker position because I don't think you can pay Anthony Barr what you're paying him. Uh, right now, with the way the, with the cap situation the Vikings have, I don't think Anthony Barr is the kind of guy you can really pay the amount you're paying him. Um, and I could see Die replacing him. Um, remember how we had Anthony Barr dropping into coverage, and we got roasted and toasted. You got Eric Hendricks, who's absolutely great. Um, and you got Ben Gideon, who's very solid. Very solid. So, you know, it is what it is right there when you look at the uh, Vikings linebacker core. I think uh, Mr. Die though, could end up being damn good for Minnesota long term. I think uh, Troy Die might be good. Might be a starting linebacker someday. Obviously not for a while. Maybe a year or two. We'll see what happens. Maybe he really shocks everybody. You know, like a year, two years from now, he's a starting he's a starting linebacker in Anthony Barr's position. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings do head that direction. Glad the Vikings took a couple of linebackers in this draft. And you're always going to have to, especially as guys leave. Uh, special teams aces, like Kentrell Brothers, guys like that, they leave. And you're like, okay, well, that sucks. And you got to move forward. I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do. But uh, interesting fourth round for Minnesota, I'd have to say. And then my frustration kind of hit the fan here in a big way. But obviously, I like who he took. And that, it's considered a pretty nice pick as well. In Harrison Hand, fifth round, number 169 overall, cornerback on a temple. Definitely got uh, some capability to, to be a, 
a legit cornerback in the league. He's considered a B-minus rating. Uh, Minnesota Vikings had an opportunity to take Jacob Fromm in this round, and they didn't. They just didn't, and they just didn't, and they just didn't, and they kept trading down and trading out. Uh, I think the Vikings actually had four picks in the fourth round, and that's where you got to maybe take him from, and the Vikings traded down. But you wind up with Harrison Hand, who's considered a B-minus. That's pretty decent anyway, out of Temple. There's some hope with him, and a lot of people seem to like what he can do, and well, we'll see what happens there. Obviously, things get a little hazier as we further, uh, go further forward. K.J. Osborne out of Miami. Not, uh, you know, I mean, again, we'll see. I'm not expecting a whole lot out of him, but uh, things can change quickly. Uh, Blake Brandel, people not super excited about him, or uh, Kyle Hinton. Kyle Hinton considered a very small guy for his position, offensive line in the seventh round. Blake Brendel, you know, kind of hazy there, considered a D-plus, uh, where he was taken in the sixth round. Uh, Josh Metellus Mat- Mat- out of Michigan. There's your first safety taken in the sixth round. Uh, defensive end Kenny <laughs> Willekes out of Michigan State. People do believe that could be a very valuable pick there, defensive end, but obviously not, not all these guys are going to stick. You're not going to be able to keep all of them. Kyle Hinton, I don't know how he's going to do again. That was the very last pick. That's the Vikings' Mr. Irrelevant as we moved up a bit to get him. Uh, Brian Cole, the second Mississippi State. Sounds like a very interesting guy. Seventh-round pick. Well, I mean, Josh Metellus and Brian Cole, those two guys are going to be competing to be hanging around at the safety position. I mean, it's not bad to have a couple of extra safeties. It's not going to kill anybody. Hopefully the Vikings end up keeping both of them. Uh, For their sake, hopefully it works out. And they're able to, uh, you know, they're able to hang around with via special teams and, of course, second team, third team, that type of thing. Nate Stanley was the only quarterback the Vikings took. Doesn't show a whole lot of mobility. Uh, people out there not very impressed. He's, he's, he's got a good arm, but not a whole lot of mobility. Does that sound familiar? Yes, it does. You know, not a whole lot of mobility and has a great arm. Who's the Vikings quarterback? Kirk Cousins. What does he do? Same thing. Obviously, Nate Stanley considered a lot lower ranking, a lot lower skill level because his accuracy is nowhere near Kirk Cousins. Uh, very low accuracy, like uh, well under 50%, uh, 55% there. Well under 60 at the very least for Nate Stanley out of Iowa. He's got the arm. He's got the arm, but not a whole lot else. And that's why he slipped all the way to the seventh round. It's nice to say we took a quarterback in the draft, but I don't know if he can uh, beat out Jake Browning. I don't know if he can do that. So we'll see what happens. He's competing with Jake Browning. And it looks like Sean Manning's the backup again with almost no arm whatsoever as your backup quarterback. So it's basically like, you know, there, there's no Case Keenum in waiting here to save the Vikings season if something happens to Kirk Cousins or if, say, just Kirk Cousins is what he is. Just kind of, you know, he'll put up the big numbers here and there and then the next week he'll shrivel up like a like a grape in the sun. So that, that's what we're all afraid of. Uh, you addressed several positions here in terms of defense, obviously. Only a couple of defensive linemen were taken in this draft, so that's just the way it is. I mean, but you you did sign Michael Pierce, so you got that. Uh, Troy Die. I mean, maybe you wind up going with that three four situation, and Troy Die gets uh, plenty of action in certain situations out there. That's where that, that's where things could head. Uh, again, James Lynch looks. I mean, he's definitely a three technique. He's he's not a run stopper. He's a three technique. Uh, you got. Odin Igbo as well, who can uh, do that as well. Obviously, he's got some serious talent as well, if, uh, if I'm getting the guy right here. 
I'm uh, getting all these names mixed up, all these crazy names that have been with the Vikings the last couple of years. <laughs> Obviously, some talented guys, but uh, I think it's Ayafati, actually. Yeah, the seven and a half sacks they got. It was later in the season when the pressure started to drop, particularly in that Chicago game, which was a frustrating game. That was just kind of a waste. McKenzie Alexander ended up getting hurt. That was a huge waste. But Vikings took a lot of, uh, you know, they they really focused on that secondary in this draft. Three cornerbacks, a couple of safeties. I mean, at least one of them's got a stick, I would hope. We'll see what happens if another one does. Um, yeah, it's Odenigbo. That's what I thought. Ayafani is the, his first name. I keep getting mixed up. He's actually considered the starting right defensive end at this point. Uh, again, the seven and a half sacks. That was great. So... I mean, he's actually considered the starting right defensive end, which is crazy. But, hey, if he gets it, he earned it. Uh, Shamar Stephan, obviously very valuable. Jalen Holmes, uh, again, showed some promise here and there. But, um, obviously, that's all yet to be seen. I remember he got he got hurt at one point later on. Eric Wilson's still a valuable guy. but uh, So you'll be adding a fifth linebacker, especially with Kentrell Brothers no longer being a part of the team. So... Mr. Die, there it is. There it is. There's your spot right away. I mean, there's no question that uh, he, he's going to be on the team and hopefully for many years and be a very valuable linebacker for Minnesota in the years to come. We'll see if Cameron Smith has anything to say about that, but uh, I kind of think that uh, Die's definitely <laughs> ahead of the curve when it comes to linebacker position for Minnesota. So you address a lot of positions defensively, and you may have even replaced Anthony Barr long-term here, which... I don't think a lot of people would complain. I don't think Anthony Barr is going to be here uh, unless he has a spectacular year next year. I think Anthony Barr does not return after that. That's just my guess because too expensive and who knows what's going to happen to the Viking safety position as well with all the cost. Um, I'm not sure you want to throw a rookie out there right away. That's kind of risky, but who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with that? Uh, man, who freaking knows what's going to happen after that? Uh, Vikings Again, making a couple of interesting transactions. The uh, <laughs> the undrafted free agents. Let's see, where do we start? Dan Chisina out of... Dan Chisina <laughs> was signed. Wide receiver, Neville Clark, cornerback. Tyler Higby, guard. Jake Lacina, I do believe the son of Corbin Lacina, center, was signed. Uh, J- Tyler Higby, the guard. Uh, Courtney Davis, wide receiver, Blake Lynch, linebacker, David Moa, Miles Dorn, safety, David Moa is a defensive tackle, uh, Brady Aiello, guard, Jordan Fair, linebacker, Jake Vargas, tight end, and Nakia Griffin-Stewart, NGS, <laughs> interesting name there, tight end also signed, so those are your undrafted free agents signed on April the 27th, so we'll see what happens with those guys. I thought there was a quarterback floating around, a receiver, but no. Get them all mixed up, but uh, it is what it is. We'll see if any of those guys stick. Occasionally they do. I mean, you know, you, once in a while you get somebody special. Hopefully the Vikings pulled it off again. Obviously they're not going to keep everybody in this draft. You just never know. You just never know what's going to happen. Some of these guys make it. Some of them hang on as a special teams guy or they're inactive. They're they. They, they get to the practice squad. Obviously, some of them are going to wind up on the practice squad. Um, you know, others might get cut outright, but uh, I think Harrison Hand's got a future in this league. Absolutely. Um, 
he definitely, uh, Mike Zimmer definitely uh, had, had his way in, in, with a lot of these cornerbacks. Uh, K.J. Osborne could be a very interesting pick, but others seem to like uh, other players better out of Miami. So interesting, interesting situation there for Minnesota. So it looks like a promising draft. There's no guarantee of any kind, but, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson, Troy Dye, I think is uh, legit. I do. And I think he'll put on some more muscle. Hopefully he doesn't lose any uh, that speed. James Lynch, I think, could be a very interesting guy. I do. Even though they don't rate him very high. But I saw something out of James Lynch. I saw something. I mean, he, 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 can, get, he, he can get it done. He's not the most appealing guy in the history of the world, but I think he can get it done. Where Cameron Dantzler, I mean, I, I, I think it's a good one. I think the Vikings might have got a little bit of a gem here at the cornerback position. Uh, we might really have something going on at the cornerback position in the next year or two, where this secondary, you know, obviously it was an overhaul. Trey Wayne's gone. Xavier Rhodes gone. McKenzie Alexander gone. I mean, you had to be serious about this, and looks like the Vikings were uh, long-term. And, of course, getting Ezra Cleveland, I think, has a lot of us feeling a lot better as well. A lot of us feeling a lot better with Ezra Cleveland, uh, despite playing on a weird blue football field. He looked he, he looked pretty solid out there. Uh, he can pass block and run block. He's not just a run-blocking uh, tackle long-term. I think he's a little bit of both. And he's got a ton of potential to be a, uh, one of the better tackles in this draft. And the Vikings need it, boy. The Vikings absolutely need it. It's better than taking a guy third overall and he completely lets you down, which is what happened years ago. He had one good year, and that was about it with uh, Matt Khalil. It was so disappointing. And uh, Brian McKinney's best year was his first or second year as well, and after that he just kept getting lazier. Uh, as great as he was, he just didn't care, and it was so frustrating. So we'll see. Uh, guys like Ezra Cleveland, somebody like that, hopefully he appreciates it more and uh, just gets better and better every year. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, I don't think the guards, the other offensive linemen we took in the draft will be a whole lot of factor long-term, but maybe. I mean, I hope so. I hope so. It doesn't sound too optimistic at this stage long-term for Minnesota with some of those later picks, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Nate Stanley, I mean, that one kind of, it is what it is. Uh, the one that could be very interesting is that Kenny Willikies, defensive end Michigan State. A lot of people seem to really like that pick. Uh, along with the uh, the Michigan uh, safety, Josh Matillas. So we'll see what happens. I'll quit my rambling. We'll talk about these guys a bit more because there's probably not going to be a whole lot else to talk about until things get more and more serious. But uh, we'll I'll, we'll talk about them more and more as we move on uh, because I do think, yeah, I do think Matillas will wind up on the Vikings roster and we need him. Absolutely. So it is what it is there. With that said, I'll stop rambling and we will jump into the fan interaction segment right after this. And we are back here on Purple Mafia fan interaction segment, ready to go two-segment episode. Don't expect this to be too long, but well, I suppose we will look at the, uh, the, the schedule that came out, so it's Something to look forward to, though. We might, we're not 100% sure, really, if we're going to play all the games. Interesting strategy brought up with that. But let's get caught up with everything first. At Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show is the Twitter account. Mostly retweets, which I appreciate. Lakers, Pies, Browns. That's Vinrock, Vince Germano out of Australia. Malcolm McSween out of the southern part of California. 
retweeting the most recent show, Sam Gupta out of California, along with Malcolm liking it. And I believe there was another retweet along the way. Uh, yep, Tanae Brown out of New Zealand, and now a new Purple Mafia Hall of Famer has uh, retweeted the most recent show as well. Sam Gupta out of California says, Great episode, Joey. Thanks for giving us, giving us some Vikings content to distract from all the craziness. Skull, and thank you very much. And I'd like to do that as well. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to get something to distract from all the craziness as well. It's like you want to watch the news and then you don't want to watch the news. You turn it on and it's like the same old story every time. It's just rehashed one way or another. You get to watch the same thing a thousand times over, like, oh, doom and gloom and shut everything down for 18 months or whatever. That's about the last thing I want to do is shut everything down for 18 months. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Gerald String, Nebraska, also retweeted the most recent show. That was, again, Draft Preview 2020, Episode 317. This is Draft Review 2020. <laughs> draft Review 2020, episode 318, you can basically call it. Apologize for the long delay, but got busy, and now the cleanups are done. So, the cleanups are done. Really cool. Uh, so, <laughs> very exciting there. We were able to get all that done. Joseph Montana. Joseph Montana? Not Joe Montana? Okay, good. Well, I'm following him. That's good. HOF 2000. So, he's been in the Hall of Fame for quite a while. Hanging out with Michael Jordan in this image. Interesting. I just had to see this. He says, since everyone's talking about ESPN's The Last Dance, I had to go back through my pictures and find this moment. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think we were talking about? They're hanging out. Uh, who knows? Probably joking around about something like, ah, uh, well, I have four Super Bowls. You already have five NBA championships. I'm guessing it was something like that because they hadn't won it yet at that point. That clearly looks like 98, circa 1998. I remember Jordan in that same outfit multiple times, even when he won the All-Star Game MVP in 98. Hope you guys have liked the, the last dance. I think, what, are we through like the first six episodes now? It's been very, very, very enjoyable. Um, I almost should release a Timberwolves Explosion talking about that a little bit and Brave the Wild. Those are my other two podcasts, Timberwolves Explosion and Brave the Wild. Uh, Brave the Wild is obviously hockey. Kind of just talking about uh, things that are catching up here with the... Uh, <laughs> Who, who knows what's going to happen with these seasons? You know, baseball's been delayed, what, six weeks? Hockey and basketball have been delayed since, uh, was it March 13th? And football, well, hey, everything's still a go so far, uh, other than the combine was kind of shut down, basically, uh, for the most part. We didn't, uh, players didn't really get to scout, or excuse me, uh, scouts and all that, and general managers didn't really get to get up close and personal with these players because uh, we got a social distance, so we'll Zoom everything or Skype everything or WhatsApp or Viber or whatever the heck people want to use for that. Uh, Google Hangouts. <laughs> I mean, you could go on forever about all the different ways to get a hold of each other via video nowadays. Hey, at least we have that technology. You know, in 1918, they didn't quite have that yet, so they didn't even really have telephones yet at that stage. Uh, so at best, there was maybe some type of radio at that stage. So that's pretty much the Twitter account. I'm just kind of messing around and chuckling at that. Again, at Purple Mafia Show. Do check that out. Going to give a quick shout out to MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven. Nice, fun uh, Minnesota Vikings uh, Facebook page. In-game threads, news, joking around, whatever the heck it is. Uh, conversation. Do check it out. Trevor Wickerin. Trevor Wickerin, a bit north of here, in the, uh, a bit north of the Twin Cities. The founder of that page. Nice enough to allow me to post links to Purple Mafia Show releases on that Facebook page. Now for our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. 
those of you that haven't joined it yet, please do if you could. Interact with me and the others. Lots of great people on here. I mean, awesome people. Mark Carlson, Gerald String, Tony Coleman. I mean, you could go on forever. All the legends out there. Gerald, you know, obviously Gerald String. Uh, man, I mean, <laughs> we'll get back to those guys in a second here. Of course, before the last show was released, uh, Amir Abdullah was agreed, uh, agreed to terms along with... Uh, Dakota Dozier, Amir Abdullah and Dakota Dozier were re-signed, so that's always good. So now we'll see what people had to say about the last episode. Mark Carlson out of Iowa says, No virus going to slow down the production of this podcast. Thanks, Joey. I'm downloading and listening now. And that was, again, the preview, which was released on April 7th. Okay, so it's been over a month. And again, sorry about the delay. The, the draft was like two weeks ago already, but then that's when things started to get super busy. But we just blew through it like I've never seen. Uh, Gerald String, Nebraska, says, Stuck in quarantine. Finally something awesome to listen to. Can't wait. <sighs> part of me part of me wishes I was stuck in quarantine, but it's just been nothing but busy for me. Some of you guys are getting a little bit of a break from being around all that nonsense. I haven't had a whole lot. I had a short one, but, yeah, uh, it's kind of been busy ever since again. Uh, that's life, isn't it? So, what was the most recent post here? Yep, to, yeah, Tavares Jackson. This was on a very snowy Easter Sunday. Snowy here, but of course it wasn't snowy in Mississippi where Tavares Jackson was living. Originally from and was living again. Uh, hadn't played foot, hadn't played in the NFL in the last couple of years. Uh, Tavares Jackson dies in car crash at 36. And again, hard to believe he was already 36, but uh, far be it from that being anywhere near any, any age that anybody should be dying. I mean, unbelievable. 36 years old. Uh, I guess crashed into a tree somehow, somewhere about 9 p.m. in Mississippi on Easter Sunday. Uh, very sad story. Very sad. I'm not sure if he was drinking or texting and driving or what the heck it was, but something wasn't right. I mean, you don't just hit trees. So uh, definitely a very sad moment there. Extremely sad. Uh Mark Carlson, and, and well, really, by all accounts, he was just an amazing guy. Amazing guy. You know, he might not have been the best quarterback ever or anything. He wasn't Joseph Montana of the 49ers or anything, but, you know, he he was just, you know, he was, but he was an amazing guy who didn't let things get him down, basically, that type of thing. Uh, Mark Carlson says, sad news, tragic. All due respect to his family and friends and former teammates. Respect to him. Also was a former Viking, especially. As a team member, he was one of our own. Rest in peace, brother. And thank you for that, Mark. Sebastian Barton. Mankato, I believe he's still there. He's a moving guy. An interesting uh, profile picture of uh, <laughs> Justin Jefferson there. Got it like that. Pretty cool artwork there. Sebastian Barton says, I, I get it's not wise to speak of the dead, but let's be honest. Isn't the reason he's not in the NFL is because of domestic abuse? Yeah, there was something, wasn't there? Uh, Trey Buckholz says, I think it was more to do with the fact he was 35. <clears throat> and Sebastian poses the article, wife taunted him after he pulled a gun on her, police say. I think there was something about that, wasn't there? So I was kind of blanking on that one. It had been a little while. Sebastian, uh, excuse me, Trey says, what happened after he retired? That happened after he retired. And Sebastian Barton says, is Fitz like 38 and still playing? Trey responds with, or I guess he didn't get signed by anyone. Sebastian says McCown was coaching high school football. McCown. Yeah, and that's the guy that had that uh, <laughs> historic Paul Allen call. The Cardinals have knocked us out of the playoffs. He hurled it into the end zone to Nate Poole and knocked the Vikings 
out of the playoffs way back in 03. That was still one of those where you just sit and stare at the TV. I believe I was sitting with Paul Kenneth that day, and we just kind of stared at the TV like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, Vikings got knocked out. As of April 15th, the Vikings were reportedly in talks with <laughs> in talks to acquire Odell Beckham. That was with the uh, Cleveland Browns, of course, and that was nixed a, f- uh, a few days later. I believe there were conversations. I believe they got fairly serious, and then it got to a point of like, nah, I don't know. And obviously with the drafting of Justin Jefferson and other wide receivers and such, I don't think the Vikings are going to uh, go in any direction with Odell Beckham Jr. And, of course, the guy again. He's kind of a head case, as good as he is. He's not a good team player. Uh, we already went through some hell with uh, Stefan Diggs, as great as he was. So that kind of was nixed, basically. Getting all kinds of reactions here. Eight comments. Mark Carlson says, Do you think it will work out, Paladino Joey? I'm not a fan of his at all, but this is Minnesota and anything can happen. I don't like Odell Beckham either. Uh, Talent-wise, sure, he's great, but I don't know, too much attitude, lots of nonsense. It says eight comments. Why am I not seeing eight? I'm only seeing three. Let's say all comments. All comments, yes. There we go. Now we're seeing everything. Uh, <laughs> that's funny what I'm seeing here. Jay, Jay Grupinski, Grupinski, sorry about that, agree too many wide receivers in the draft. Uh, the kids from ASU, Ayuk, Ayuk is a beast and should fall into our lap at 22. That's interesting because remember how the Vikings traded away 25 so San Francisco could take Ayuk, but we own it with Justin Jefferson, again, national champion and everything. Vince Germano, of course, Cleveland Browns fan and Los Angeles Lakers fan, says, hands off, hands off, you plonkers. <laughs> and Vince Germano, Australian, great friend also. Again, in a definitely a Timberwolves Explosion Hall of Famer, that's for sure. And he could get into Pearl Mafia Hall of Fame as well, I'm sure. Brett McCarthy, South Dakota, says, not a good deal. Why? Justin Jatava says, no. And Patrick Grant jumps in and says, we just got rid of a head case receiver. Why get another one? And, yeah, yeah. Jesse Ball says, lots of receivers in this draft. This makes no sense. And, well, luckily we listened to, the the Vikings listened to all you guys that were saying that. So that's good. <laughs> the Vikings did head towards the draft instead. And, of course, the contract situation and all that, much wiser. And I'll continue to talk about Anthony Barr. I wouldn't be surprised if he was not on the Vikings after next season. In fact, I'd be kind of surprised if he wasn't. Uh, then you get this graphic that says you can only keep three. Number one was Anthony Barr. Two is... Christian, uh, Christian Ponder. Two is Kirk Cousins. Part of me. Three is Daniel Hunter. Four is Kyle Rudolph. Five is Mike Zimmer. Six is Harrison Smith. Seven is Dalvin Cook. Eight, Eric Hendricks. And nine, Adam Thielen. Mike Feller, Stu Evans says, I keep six, nine, and seven. So you're keeping Harrison Smith, Adam Thielen, and... Seven. That was Delvin Cook. So he went in that direction, and Zimmer has to go. Kurt Back says two nine three. That would be Cousins. Wow, I'm surprised you put Cousins there. Two three nine. That is uh, Cousins, Daniel Hunter, and Adam Thielen. I'll come back with mine here in a second. Justin Shavazo, Justin Shatava, pardon me, says. Let me click like on all you guys here. Uh, Hunter Smith and Cousins. Gerald String says Hunter Smith Thielen. Kendrick's honorable mention. Hmm, honorable mention, huh? Eric Mustard says 169. That would be uh, Anthony Barr, really. Really, Anthony Barr, Harrison Smith, and Adam Thielen. You can notice I'm a little, take it, I'm a little bit objecting that one. Wow, really? Anthony Barr, huh? Uh, Mustard says 369 would be my second choice. So three, 
three would have been, uh, yeah, Hunter. I'd take him over Anthony Barr any day. That's just me, though. I uh, apologize if that annoys you. My response annoys you a little bit. Cedric Paulding, there he is, out of Mississippi, says 379. So that would be Daniel Hunter, Delvin Cook, and Adam Thielen. Celestar so Thomas, there he is, South Carolina, I believe in Hawaii now, says uh, 359. That would be Daniel Hunter, Mike Zimmer, and Adam Thielen. Interesting. Shelby Lund, 973. That sounds like an area code, doesn't it? 973, Adam Thielen, Delvin Cook, and Daniel Hunter. So, I'll give you mine. I thought I wrote it down, but I didn't. Mine, I'm leaning towards, well, Daniel Hunter, so that would be three. <sighs> Eric Kendricks would be eight. So, we'll go three, eight, nine. I think that's where I'm heading. Three, eight, nine. Uh, I'm going to go with Daniel Hunter, Eric Kendricks, and. Adam Thielen. Those are my three. Or you could even say uh, Harrison Smith. It's just he's getting a little bit older, so that's what concerns me a little bit. Uh, either my two choices would be 378 or 389 at this point. It's uh, Delvin Cook's contract situation could get very interesting, so that's what that's where I'm kind of worried. I like Mike Zimmer just fine. It's just that, is he really the long-term future for this team? I, I don't know. He's kind of, he might be at the tail end here at the end of the day. So I'm going to finish up with three Eight, nine. That'll be nine numbers. Uh, Daniel Hunter, Eric Hendricks, Adam Thielen, at least for now. Yeah, you, you better keep Thielen now because what if he leaves and Justin Jefferson isn't real good? Then we're really dead. So we'll find out. We need some success in that first-round pick taking wide receivers. Jared Allen says, I'll go into the Hall of Fame as a Viking. The Vikings have my heart. I love that organization. And thank you, Jared, for that. Jared Allen will go in as a Minnesota Viking even when he does go into the Hall of Fame, and he's joined at this point. Mark Carlson, the only commenter, says, I loved his enthusiasm for the game, and he was uh, he was exciting to watch, and I couldn't agree more with that. So, yep, Vikings, Nab, LSU receiver, Justin Jefferson with 22nd pick. Let's hear what you guys had to say. Gerald String says, not a huge fan of taking skill positions in the first round unless there is clearly superior talent. Doesn't always translate into NFL caliber. Nonetheless, I like Brett's comments. We have been lacking that big possession type receiver for several years. That was supposed to be Laquan Treadwell, but never panned out even close to the level of expectation. Let's hope we don't get burned twice, and boy, I hope I hope that's not the case. And Justin Jefferson does appear to have all the tools to be a very successful wide receiver in the NFL. Brett McCarthy says, nice big receiver. Yep. Uh, he's not the biggest guy ever, but he's certainly talented. He's got that speed down the field. I, I think he's going to be very similar to Stefan Diggs, but slightly taller, I suppose. Slightly taller. Uh, definitely a skilled player, no doubt. 100, 111 catches for the national champion LSU Tigers last season. Pretty incredible. TCU cornerback Jeff Gladney selected by Minnesota Vikings with number 31 overall pick. Again, how the Vikings traded down a few to beef up the later stages of the draft, which is what the Vikings always like to do. We love to have like four or five seventh round picks, seems like, every year. And Well, last year we got a couple guys that stuck, so we'll see. Maybe we'll do that again. Uh, Ola BC or BC Johnson. Nice seventh round pick so far for uh, Mr. Uh, Spielman. Gerald String says if he can stay healthy, could be an interesting pick, and I think so. Absolutely. I think the Vikings did get multiple starting cornerbacks in this draft, and maybe even a third one that might end up being decent. We'll see. But, uh, I think Danster has got definite, definitely has potential, and Gladney absolutely does, as long as he stays healthy, and that was just a one-time thing. 
Uh, Gladney might end up being really, really damn good. He might end up being the best cornerback uh, on the Vikings long-term. Very, very possible, actually. Uh, it says your complete Minnesota Vikings draft class of 2020. Gerald Swing. Let's get everybody's comment here. Brett McCarthy says, I like all the picks, all needs. Roger Inboden says, let me click on that really quick. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Interesting. Sorry. Uh, he says, overall great draft, especially in days one and two. I would have liked more of an investment into the O-line, however. And me too. I mean, but at least you got a guy who probably should be the starting left tackle very soon. He'll be the starting left guard very likely next year in uh, Ezra Cleveland. So, you know, you got that going. Gerald's Ring says, well, getting Nate Stanley sealed the deal for me. <laughs> Spielman, Zimmer did a great job. There will be some great players in that group. So we'll see what happens with Nate Stanley. That'll be very interesting, the uh, Iowa quarterback. And I know uh, Dave Hickey's from Iowa. I don't think he commented much on it. He must have just be a real busy dude sometimes. So, And that's okay. And he's also a Purple Mafia Hall of Famer. Lots of them here. Brett McCarthy, let's see, what's the next thing? Yep, Spielman, redu- uh, reduced st- Spielman was saying Vikings reduced stress with 15 picks. So that's to kind of fill out the roster here, specifically with the, the salary cap stress. Because that's just how it is. You know, when you have it, you know, so those roster spots could get filled up here with uh, cheaper options. And Justin Jefferson's a lot cheaper than uh, Stefan Diggs at this point or Odell Beckham Jr. So we'll see what happens. Brad McCarthy says he got some needs and two picks for next year. And our draft, cast, draft class from last year, should uh, we should be okay. Yeah, so he's still got some young guys who are not on expensive contracts yet. And uh, we'll see what happens with Delvin Cook. And now you got uh, more deaths here, unfortunately. At least this guy made it to the age of 90, though. Dolphins Hall of Fame coach Don Shula dies at 90. So Don Shula, again, he actually beat the Vikings in the, the 70, 73 Super Bowl. I believe, yep, 73 Super Bowl. The Dolphins went back-to-back Super Bowls and never won again. They went back in uh, 84, but got trounced by Joe Montana and the 49ers. The only Super Bowl Dan Marino would ever play in, he thought he'd always, uh, he always thought he was going to go back, but that's what happens with a lot of guys. They get there real early in their career, and they think they're going to go back, like Jordan Leopold of the Calgary Flames, former national champion gopher hockey player, and he got to the cup final as his first in his first full season in the NHL with the Calgary Flames, and they never went back and all that. Uh, sad to see that happen with uh, Dan Marino, but great success for the main uh, man of topic here, Don Shula. The legitimate, legitimate, undefeated season for Don Lucia. Say whatever you want about Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, Randy Moss, that unbelievable, awesome Patriots team in 2007 that just couldn't finish the job against the New York Giants. They could have been easily considered the greatest team ever, but they just didn't finish the job. So still, the 72 Dolphins are the greatest of all time because they finished the job. Regardless if they were the most exciting team ever or not, they finished the job. Uh, They had a good, solid defense and a good, solid offense as well. They just were solid, and they got the job done. I mean, 14-0 instead of 16-0, and and then uh, won a couple of playoff games and won the Super Bowl, which is what great teams do. Uh, they uh, they just simply got the job done and then knocked the Vikings out the next year in a game where Minnesota was in it, but we just couldn't make the big stops when we needed to on, like, third and long. Couldn't make the tackles. Dolphins handed the ball off, and they just got the job done. On multiple occasions, obviously a very old school guy in Don Shula, a guy who absolutely, positively hated to lose. It's like 
okay, you might think that's cliche and like, okay, nobody likes to lose. But he was one of those kind of guys who, when he lost, he just, you know, he wasn't exactly the easiest dude to interview, I'm sure, or have a conversation with after the game. Uh, he really took it harder than the average coach, obviously. Uh, some coaches, they just, you know, you, they try to stay as even keel as possible with Don Lucia, absolutely. I just called him Don Lucia. Don Shula, absolutely hated in a big way. Uh, Don Lucia also had back-to-back championships with the Gophers, so that's another Don who had back-to-back championships, but that's because I was talking about Jordan Leopold. That's what threw me off there, but uh, Don Shula getting all the way to 90 years of age. Uh, his son, Mike Shula, had some success, but uh, nothing like uh, Don Shula. Obviously an amazing career. Uh, he's one of those Bud Grant type of guys. Uh, similar personality, Don Shula and Bud Grant often say that they kind of got pushed to the side a little bit for some of these other coaches that were more media kissed asses. They got kind of pushed to the side so they didn't get the uh, the greatness treatment necessarily as some of these other guys out there like uh, Vince Lombardi, guys like that who got worshipped. And they didn't really like Vince Lombardi, apparently. Uh, <laughs> oftentimes you'll hear <laughs> Bud Grant call... Uh, Vince Lombardi a jerk, that he was actually not a good guy at all. He was, uh, he said even his wife didn't like him. It's kind of funny. But, uh, well, <laughs> I mean, we all have issues at home. I mean, nobody's perfect, that's for sure. But uh, an amazing career for Don Shula. The numbers just are incredible. And he coached well into the 90s, up from uh, with the early 70s to 1995. And again, you had that incredible season, multiple Super Bowl championships, 2-1 and one overall in the big game. Absolutely uh, awesome. His overall coaching record was, uh, well, no, he coached the Baltimore Colts from 63 to 69 and the Dolphins from 70 to 95. That is just uh, absolutely crazy when you look at his overall numbers at the end of the day. You look at that incredible uh, overall record of uh, regular season 300. 28, 156, and 6. So six ties over the course of his career. That's how long he was there. They had six ties. That's just crazy. He even played in the NFL. Wow. He actually played in the NFL 73 games with 21 interceptions. 21 interceptions. Huh. That's insane. Uh, his uh, career posters and record, his career regular season record, pardon me, uh, winning percentage of 676. That's just insane. Uh, postseason was 19 and 17 because we all know how football playoffs can be. One bounce of the ball, somebody sneezes, and the whole thing changes forever. So you can't really blame him there. And Dan Marino, God love him, great numbers and everything, but I, I, he wasn't that successful. That's where the postseason record dropped off a bit. He wasn't that successful in the playoffs, Dan Marino. He just wasn't. Crazy career. Obviously, pro football, pro football. Hall of Fame, easy choice there. Don Shula was a defensive back who <laughs> played many years ago. I would say 5'11", 190. Man, he <laughs> was seven seasons. He played He played for the Baltimore Colts. That's crazy. Tons of interceptions, though. It's like when I saw that number, 21 interceptions. That's crazy. So definitely a defensive-minded coach. Washington Redskins in... 1957. Oh, this is backwards. Okay, Cleveland Browns, he started off with four interceptions in 12 games. The next year, none. He must have been hurt because he only played in five games that year. Uh, in 12 games of the Baltimore Colts, three interceptions. That's crazy. Five interceptions with the Colts in 1954. 54, that's way back in the day. Five interceptions with the Colts in 55. And one interception only. Gosh, only one? Come on, man. In 1956 and three more 
for the Washington Redskins in 57. The guy was a ball hawk. Boy, that's incredible. Amazing career there. Uh, no numbers about forced fumbles or anything, but maybe they didn't keep that as a stat. You're just seeing lines. We're talking the 1950s here, so it's way, way, way back in the good old days when Detroit was actually good. You know, Detroit was actually a championship caliber team and kind of a dynasty in the 50s, which, uh, you know, all these 60, 70 years later, we don't really think about them winning anything uh, ever. But uh, what a great, great career for Don Shula. Again, don't forget Baltimore Colts as well. Uh, they had a hell of a run. I think he won three Super Bowls if he coached the Colts, though. It's like you keep thinking about that crazy overall uh, success. Yep, two two Super Bowls. Oh, yeah, an NFL champion because, yep, in 1968. Ah, that's right. Yep, but the Super Bowl had already happened. So, yep, the Colts actually lost the Super Bowl then in 1968. So they won it, like, sometime. I think it must have been right after he left. That sucks. But then again, multiple... Super Bowls in the early 70s, and unfortunately for him, it didn't happen again, but still major success along the way. Dolphins were generally good all the time under the great Don Shula. I had to talk a while about that one. Al Gore, this guy's going to get in the Hall of Fame for sure. He's third overall in rushing yards now. Uh, he'll be joining the New York Jets, so he's going to play again. Unfortunately, not necessarily on a good team, but we'll see. The Jets made some improvements in the offseason, so we'll see. No comments there. Mark Carlson says terrible sad news about Don Shula's death, but at least he got to the age of 90. That's a hell of a lot better than 36. Now we'll look at the schedule, which again will get us a uh, conversation here as well. The schedule has been released. Let's see what people had to say. Uh, Kurt back out of Lake uh, White Bear Lake part of me says I shouldn't say, but I got a good, but I got a feeling, Joey. I hope so, but you look at that schedule. I don't think it looks easy at all. Cedric Paulding, Mississippi, and Purple Mafia Hall of Famer says we always go to we always go to Seattle? Question mark. And it's like, yeah, I don't like it either. He's like, I was like, that's what I'm saying. Of course, we never win, uh, never. Uh, it's ridiculous. It sucks. Uh, of course, we never win. So we'll look at this right now. This is of course subject to change because of the same old stupid story everybody talks about every stupid second on the planet, so we don't know if there will be any stupid season, or we'll see what happens. Some of the quote-unquote, and this is what figures, some of the quote-unquote cream puff AFC AFC games, pardon me, would be the first four to go. Say if the season's delayed and we got to, you know, slice off like a quarter of the season or so and make it a 12-game season, so games like Tennessee, which isn't a cream puff, but we'll see. Uh, some of those AFC games could get sliced off. Colts, Tennessee, Texans, and uh, possibly the Jacksonville Jaguars could get sliced out. So we'll see what happens with that. That's just how it goes. So you just make it strictly NFC if that's the case. They're not really cream puffs because uh, Houston's tough. I don't know about that game. So let's open things up here. I'm going to go with my record, and you're not going to like it. You're not going to like it very much because I don't like the schedule when it comes to the road games. They're not going to be easy. Hosting the Green Bay Packers, of all things. I mean, we're talking early 90s here. 1992 and 1994 are the last two times I remember opening up with the Packers. Those were both on the road. Vikings won way back in 92. That's when I first started watching the Vikings full-time with a different guy at quarterback to start out that season when it came to the Packers. But the Vikings had Rich Gannon and a nice win where the Vikings won by a very narrow margin with a field goal at the end there. September 13th, Vikings host the Packers in U.S. Bank Stadium. Minnesota wins that game. I believe we win, and of course there's going to be some back and forth with uh, Aaron Rodgers and all that stuff. We'll see what happens there. At the Colts, I don't think the Vikings win that game. Uh, the Colts are the Colts have always been a menace for us. 
And you got Phillip Rivers. We'll see what happens. There'll be some momentum there. The Vikings win that one. A very impressive win. Vikings host the Tennessee Titans. I do believe we win that game and jump up to nine. Uh, excuse me, two and one. That's on September 27th, a week later. So you got September 13th, September 20th, September 27th. We visit Houston against Deshaun Jackson and the Houston Texans. Vikings do not win that game. Vikings drop to two and two. Vikings head to Seattle for crying out loud again. We never get to play them here except in playoff games, and we find a way to choke that away. Thank you, Blair Walsh, and and Adrian Peterson, and that other stupid cornerback who couldn't like pay attention to what he was doing. I'm frig- I almost forgot his name now. I don't. Uh, I believe it was James Robinson, right? Yeah, the guy just I don't know. Or Ro- yeah, Robinson. He just lost track of what he was doing. Ugh, that was terrible. Um, October 11th at Seattle. That's a loss. So there's your three and or two and three record. Host the Falcons. That's a win. Three and three. At Green Bay, I think Vikings lose that one again. I mean, I, I don't know. It'd be nice if we won in Green Bay. I just don't see it. Three and four, if I remember correctly. That would be three and four. We get the bye week in between. So you go to November uh, 1st at Green Bay again. I do believe the Vikings do not win. So we're talking three and four there. Host the Lions. That's a win easily. Four and four record on the 8th of November. At Chicago on the 16th of November, that's a loss. I, I don't think we ever beat those guys, so that's 4-5. and five. Yuck. Hosting the Cowboys win, that is 5-5. Five and five. Host the uh, Carolina Panthers, 6-5. and five. Host the Jacksonville Jaguars, 7-5. and five. Three, and three wins in a row. At Tampa Bay, that's a loss, 7-6. and six. Versus Chicago, that's a win, 8-6. and six. And unfortunately, a couple road games. At the Saints, that is eight and seven, unfortunately. And then the Vikings host the Lions or visit the Lions nine and seven. So I have the Vikings at nine and seven as of right now. That sounds very, very, very negative, and I'm sure you don't like what I'm doing here. But it's just a feel, and maybe things will be dramatically different. Um, a lot of us weren't very optimistic going into 2017. We tried to be optimistic, but you just didn't know. Uh, in fact, I mean, we were optimistic, and then frickin' Keenum, or excuse me. Uh, Bradford got hurt right away after a very impressive start when you could tell the Vikings had two legitimate wide receivers really getting going into their career there. And then he gets hurt. You figure the Vikings are going to be 8-8 eight and eight or 7-9 and nine or something, and they went 13-3. and three. So maybe the Vikings pull off something pretty damn awesome, but these road games are not going to be easy. And, of course, these divisional games, the only one we're going to win on the road is the Lions, I think, right now. I think the Vikings continue their dominance over Matt Patricia. But uh, Chicago, we just don't win there. Green Bay, we just don't win there. Seattle, God, 2006 we won. Very beautiful game with Chester Taylor. Hopefully the Vikings can pull that off, but Seattle looks like they've gotten better and better the last couple of years. So after a minor drop-off, we just don't beat those guys. So, And that's another one of those 720 games. And I don't know, 720 at Seattle doesn't spell a win for me. It just doesn't. I don't feel comfortable with that one, I'm sorry to say. Sorry, uh, it's Sunday night football. Oh God, no! I, I don't think so. <laughs> I hate saying it, but and oh, by the way, the Saints game is Friday afternoon, G- December twenty fifth. What's December twenty fifth? Right, that's a win. So there you go. Uh, but right now I'm at nine and seven. Hopefully ten and six. Hopefully beyond. Vikings last year were ten and six, and we won a playoff game. So, but. As of right now, I, I'm not that optimistic about the, the the season going forward. I mean, we lost some good players, and other guys just had to move on because they were not good anymore, or we couldn't afford them, or you just didn't want to meet their price, that type of thing. I mean, Trey Waynes is not worth what Cincinnati gave him. 
uh, <laughs> McKenzie Alexander is worth more than what Cincinnati gave him. Oh, yes, he's worth more than $4 million for one year. But he just wanted to leave. That's unfortunate. He just didn't want to be here anymore. He was pissed off at uh, Simmer and Co. for having him out there in that meaningless Bears game, and he got injured. So he couldn't play in the Saints game or the uh, San Francisco game. So that kind of screwed up everything there. That ruined that relationship, and that was a mistake, big mistake. I don't believe there are any uh, visitor posts, and if there are, I apologize. Also, uh, there were no call-ins that I believe. So anybody out there, if you did call in, I do deeply apologize. Let me know, and I will play it on the next episode of Purple Mafia. There should be one, hopefully, fairly soon. We'll see what happens as things move forward. Hopefully, we'll get some kind of a season going on. Obviously, we're still stuck in this COVID-19 nonsense, and some people are getting to kind of work from home, which for some people hate it. Some people like it. I would I would like to work at home. You know, I, I don't need to be around people all the time, and it's good to be around people sometimes, but not all the time. I'd like to work at home, frankly. Uh, you get kind of tired of seeing the same people every day at work, and I mean the same people every day at work. It gets tiring after a while. Some people are very nice to see. Others, it, you know, it's not always the best thing. It's just, it is what it is. Your life just drags on and on and on, and that's life. I mean, every one of you can relate to that. I'm not saying anything that radical or crazy or something that would get someone fired for daring to say it on, you know, some kind of a public radio or podcast, which is what this is, uh, worldwide podcast, because, yeah, obviously, as long as you have any internet connection, you can download it. So, again, always thank you guys for being a part of things and for just uh, bringing your personalities to this show, bringing your fandom to this show. Uh, I'm optimistic about this draft. You never really know, but it looks good. On paper, it looks good. It looks good. Uh, it's it's a very interesting approach. The Vikings clearly needed help at the cornerback position, especially when you look at the depth chart, and there was just nothing there. I mean, when it came to the cornerback position, there was nothing there. And so it's like, of course, you, you, you better draft a couple because, I mean, we're not going to plunk down the money for this guy, that guy, when we don't have the cap space to really hand it out at this point. Uh, Nate Meters will get a shot. Keeman Hall, those guys, I mean, we'll see. They'll have a crack at getting any type of a cornerback job. Chris Boyd. Mike Hughes will play left cornerback, most likely, as long as he's bleeping stays healthy. But you got Cam Dantzler, you got uh, Jeff Gladney, and uh, and others out there now that are continuing to move in here. Compete for the position and all that. Looking forward to see Justin Jefferson. I, I can't wait, honestly. I'm looking forward to see how successful uh, Ezra Cleveland is. I think that'd be absolutely great. With that said, again, can't thank you guys enough for being a part of this. I'm going to pass out some stars here, even though it's <laughs> it was kind of a quiet show, and I did most of the talking, unfortunately, for some of you that might be annoyed with that, but no, nah, I don't think you should be too annoyed. Uh, gold star for this episode. Boy, uh, We'll go with Mark Carlson, very consistent throughout this episode. He's going to get tomorrow the gold star. Gerald Spring's going to ring in the silver. Ben McCarthy and Cedric Paulding will ring in the bronze. Sebastian Martin will also bring in the uh, silver. Again, fun conversation I had with him kind of during the draft, back and forth, and he said, fan bleep-fantastic. I just enjoyed having that conversation with Sebastian Martin during the course of that draft. Can't thank you guys enough. Kurt Back also should throw in a bronze. I mean, just thank you guys. Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. It's always just great talking to you and uh, keeping things going. I should just, you know, if things continue 
the way they have been, where it looks like, you know, there's just going to be nothing going on forever, which is really frustrating. Every day you think we're turning the curb and then the numbers keep coming out. Is there deception to all this? I think so. I, I really do. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's okay to question the norm. You don't have to be a full conspiracy theorist to question the norm. It doesn't make you a conspiracy theorist necessarily. Uh, somebody with a tinfoil hat and Area 51 and aliens in New Mexico. You don't have to be one of those to question some of this story out there just a little bit. It's okay to do that. Uh, don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed to question the story a little bit. Don't be embarrassed to question what uh, some of these some of these newscasts uh, give you. Because, well, <laughs> there's no way all of it's true. There's just no way. Uh, so, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to question the norm a little bit sometimes because it's getting kind of weird and questionable as far as I'm concerned. I'll wrap up the show with that thought. Uh, when it comes to me possibly releasing another show, during the course of things, if this just continues to drag on, it'll probably be a retrospective, some kind of just me with my classic gift that I have when I like to go back into the past and look at history, like I kind of did with Don uh, Don Shula a bit there. I almost called him Don Lucia again, if you can believe that. But uh, just kind of go into some kind of retrospective, talking about maybe a 90s Vikings team, talking about Chris Carter, Randy Moss, or who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Maybe going way back in the day. Wayback Machine. Let's talk about Fran Tarkington, or which unfortunately I wasn't there for, but who knows? I'd be digging into some 80s Vikings conversation, or just the Metrodome, the Vikings' life in the Metrodome, stuff like that. Just random things. Going back in the day, that might be the approach I'm going to go with with my shows if this continues to drag out. Timberwolves Explosion, I'd probably talk about the last dance a bit, and then uh, talk about the good old days in the NBA, and same thing with hockey. We'll see what happens. Maybe some North Star conversation. That one you can really get interesting with, uh, you know, if you're a North Star fan back in the uh, 60s, 70s, uh, 80s, and early 90s there with that club. With that said, I better shut up now. I'm probably dragging this out longer than I should, but it's been a while since I've been behind the mic, that's for sure. So with that said, everybody stay warm, stay healthy, stay cold, stay cool if it's warm out with the time you're listening to this or whatever part of the country or world you're at. Uh, Again, (laughs) <laughs> just, you know, use common just use common hygiene and take a lot of vitamins and you'll be okay as far as, as, far as I'm concerned. I don't think you need to panic. I, I really don't. With that said, take care and we will talk to you hopefully sooner than later. <laughs>